Hey now, this is J.M. Wilkie, Director of Sales Ops at Qualia, uh, coming at you here on this Fast Folks podcast, one of the best podcasts you'll ever listen to. RevOps with an edge. Let's go. Welcome to Sassholes, a show dedicated to issues within the software as a service industry. We are revenue ops with a edge. edge. Jamie, Jason, KG, and myself, Pete, have a combined 100 years of making interesting decisions. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Okay, today our guest is Jan Wilkie. Jan Wilkie is the Director of Sales and Operations at Qualia. Qualia is a leading digital closing platform used by real estate professionals, title and escrow operators, lenders, prop tech companies, and home buyers in the United States. Jam is a successful salesperson, sales manager, SDR manager, and director of sales ops in Texas from Slangin. Is that Slangin? Slingin'. Slingin' ice cream in Sacramento as a child to planning her days and weeks in advance to optimize her days as a working mother. Jam covers a lot of ground and gets shit done. Can we say shit? Before we get to JM, hey, we got a sponsor for the show, NeuroNoodle. Hey, parents and athletes, get a doodle or noodle. It's a brain map. Hey, we're in playoff season. Better get that brain checked out. Get a baseline to compare it to in case you go to the finals. You get a physical every year, right? Well, get a brain checkup before the season's over. Carney. Yeah, Pete. KG. I'm just hoping you just pick on Jamie this time around. Yeah. Carney. Yes, Pete. I was wondering why this Frisbee <laughs> kept looking bigger and bigger, and then it hit me. Leave us yeah. some comments on our blog at sassholes.net. Got any shout-outs, guys? KG? Uh, I have a few shout-outs. Uh, I want to give a you know the nice guy shout-out to uh, happy birthday to Ricky Black, formerly of, um, of ZipRecruiter, not Ricky Bobby by the way, not Ricky Bobby, it's Ricky Black. He's now a major accountant healthcare with CareerBuilder. Maybe you guys have heard of that company. And a uh, oh. happy birthday to TJ Hennessy, who's the VP of global, rent, uh, global Revenue at Bird. That's the Bird Scooters. I remember when he was just a graduate at, uh, at USC and uh, now he's- That, that Bird? Revenue. That's the one. <laughs> yes, ranked number one. And then a congratulations <laughs> to Mr. Cameron Sides for being promoted to agency advisor, enterprise sales at, uh, at ZipRecruiter. Great golfer, wonderful guy. Um, those are my shout outs and I'm sticking to them. Carney? Rob Wittes. You remember Rob Wittes, right, Pete? I'm Is that how you pronounce it? Wittes? Yeah. He's How'd very wit. Wittis, White. Um, Enterprise Data Governance Senior Advisor of Pro Unlimited. He had one of the greatest nicknames. I don't think he knew what his nickname was, nor do I think he listens to the show. Meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> because oh. he would go in there and say, go I can lecture. do anything. And then he would never do that. <laughs> Whatever that was. We'd be like, can you do this? Nope, can't do it. <laughs> so we called him Meatloaf. Um, All right. And then uh, Andy Williams for two years. Great singer. Uh, great singer. Yeah, I figured you'd like him. Uh, Andy Williams, two years at Flexera. And David Fahey, um, this guy I knew um, at Performix and these other companies. Uh, he just graduated from Northwestern University. It's graduate program. So I want to give him a shout out. Those are my three. Enjoy your debt, kid. Hey, Tyler Mose, two years at E3M Creative. Congrats. John Doherty, PMP, 11 years at Siemens Industry. And then Wendell Brenner, old school, two years at Zep Inc., inbound wonder kid. 
And then I guess we got to say something to Joel Cheeseman for two years at Rectext. Rectum? I don't even know him. I think if it's Joel Cheeseman, it's more like Rectum. Do you know, hey, Kevin, do you know who Joel Cheeseman is? Of Chad and Cheese, yes. But I don't know him. He's the he's the Perez Hilton of the job boards. Yes, I've I've listened to his stuff and it was just mm. cringy, cringy to listen to him talk about ZipRecruiter when he didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah, he's a d bag. So is his partner, <laughs> his, his socialist partner. Oh man! Oh, uh, here we go. Here right. we go. Go off the rails. Let's get into our main topic before we go off topic. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> KG, who do you got on the show today? Who is this person? Well, I am very excited about having J.M. Wilkie. Jean Marie. That's right. Very good. Did my research. <laughs> yes. J.M. Wilkie. Let me just say that I listened to a webinar, attended a webinar a couple of years ago when I was at ZipRecruiter and we were looking for to build out our very first operations team. And when I listened to J.M. speak on this webinar through the AAISP, I was I was so impressed and I reached out to her afterwards. I said, listen, can I just pick your brain, of course, which is a veiled recruiting attempt, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, I was I was very unsuccessful in uh, in acquiring JM, you know, at the uh, at the time. But here's the funny small world story. I was on a podcast with Richard Harris and Scott Lease about um, a, a year later. Scott asked me, he said, hey, when you're building out your sales team, what's the very first hire that you would make? And I gave some sort of answer of SDR or whatever it was. And I said, well, Scott, who, what would you hire? And he goes, I would hire a director of sales operations and I would hire J.M. Wilkie. And he just said it out loud. There you go. <laughs> and I thought, my word. So she really is the bomb, bomb diggity. And so I'm you know, very, very excited to, to have a true RevOps professional on our um, uh, on our podcast today, JM Wilkie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm very excited to be here and chat with you three crazy guys. <laughs> we need to put in some applause there, right, Pete? <laughs> that or with your sound effect options, we need yeah. to put in like a, a round of applause. Yeah, the well, background, the Brady Bunch, the Brady Bunch oh, of cans. <laughs> Laughter, you know, whatever, do that. Yeah, so. I think I think you guys covered it. Well, Jamie, you wanna you wanna take some? Well, from so here, I do, like, you know. So one of my questions is: in today's climate and regarding revenue operations, what's the biggest pain point that you're encountering, or your sales teams are encountering in terms with just selling? You know, selling in general. The biggest thing that our revenue operations is solving for, right, is one of the things of just breaking down silos, having the right hand talk to the left, and so. One of the pain points is, you know, revenue ops is still a newer thing. You you got into it, I would say, on the earlier side, but revenue ops concept is definitely something that's newer to orgs. And so it's getting used to having a better way to share the insights so that your right hand is talking to your left hand, that you're speaking the same language as an org, you're looking at the same reports, you're driving insights off the same things and just having all of those silos be gone so that you can be smarter, make better decisions and drive that revenue forward. Yeah, in my, my opinion, revenue operations prior to it actually becoming a thing was champions within the company would do 
the revenue op- operations role. And the problem exactly. was, I say champions. So then we would, uh, one champion would go into our room with another champion. And then they would say, well, my numbers are this and your numbers are this. <laughs> and it would just create complete chaos and no one believing in the numbers. One thing with revenue operations, people in general, is a consistency. If, if you don't have this role in place, because RevOps people are dealing with marketing, dealing with finance, dealing with sales, dealing with sales ops, dealing with deal desk, value desk, pricing, packaging, all of that type of stuff. If you don't have that, what you're going to do is eventually you're going to create a champ, uh, multiple champions, and then those multiple champions are going to go into a room and battle it out, and no one's going to get anything done. And uh, there was a previous company that I was at that basically that's what it was, was champion battles all day long. Personally, I would just sit there and be like, this is stupid and go ahead and believe whatever you want to believe, um, because this is just uh, a waste of time. That's one thing. So what I'm hearing from you is a lot of your pain points in the revenue operations role is probably still because it is new is just coordinating all that data and trying to make sure everyone's looking off the same stuff. Right. Exactly. Right. You are the brain center of the org is kind of how I think about it. Right. And so you got to make sure that everything is connecting right. And that we're, yeah. we're all driving forward on the same goals. All the stuff is, is good there so that you can check all the boxes and just hit your go-to market strategy. Okay. Now, one of my questions really is since COVID, Sales, not sales ops, but sales. What have you seen has changed in your company or anything like that that has impacted the sales process? The sales process to me and the sales operations is always trailing what's actually happening in the field by two to three, maybe six months, depending or longer if you're not really. But um, there might be some pivot in the company. It takes a while for sales, for us to realize all of sales is starting to do this because usually one sales rep starts talking to another sales rep and then they start doing that. What have you noticed change occur since COVID in your role? Or yeah, not in your role, but in sales in general. Our sales in general. Overall, our sales team, the change was actually for the better. We're one of the only, we're the only cloud, real cloud um, competitor in the market. And so the sales process for us, what changed for us is that because we're all in this remote world, there are, there's a little bit more um, light being shown on all the different activities. And so the reps are, you know, being more specific with how they're actually doing things. So whether it's, you have a team that's trying out, you know, mutual action plans and driving those home, right. And then it starts kind of picking up or how we, you know, overturn and change how we forecast and the, and the, and the cadence that we do that in and how deep we go on pipeline management or the warning signs that we look for. And so I would say overall, it's a matter of people have gotten better at doing, you know, the specific things that lead to a deal. Yeah. Pipeline management is a tough one always, because once you say people, you're looking at pipeline, guess what? Pipeline occurs. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) It's amazing. And all of a sudden they got million dollar (laughs) deals all over the place. Right. You're telling yeah. me that your team is JM has what you've seen as a change is that salespeople, is, at least in your experience and your team, have gotten better at following some of these best practices and playbooks to create quality pipeline. Like, or, is that measured by forecast accuracy? What What are you saying? Really, at the end of the day, it's measured by revenue, right? 
and how we're doing as a company. And so the that's exactly what I'm saying is, you know, you have because you're in this world where all you can rely on is not just going next to a person and seeing how they're talking and having conversations, you're relying on tools to kind of tell you that stuff. I think that it's really helped up level the the team's overall from the top down, right? We can drill down better. We can enforce things better so that we can be smarter about how we use the data and just all in all, just been a positive change for something terrible like COVID. Yeah. So you said tools. Are you using any different tools in your role today than you were, or maybe you had certain tools in your bag that you weren't really utilizing um, as much, but now that it's a remote team, are you using different tools or those tools differently? I wouldn't actually say that we're using them super different. I just am continuously, you know, we're, we're pushing each other to drill down and use the tools deeper so that, you know, the adoption of the tool is better, right? I would say that probably the, if you think of like using it differently, it's just using more of what each of the tools have, right? Yeah. Because it is, you know, we're in this world where you don't get the coaching. That's the, hey, try this or, hey, we're in this meeting and, you know, why don't you try this or whatever it may be. Um, it becomes, you know, they're your eyes and your ears are using these tools. And so it's going to be a way to be more efficient just as a seller go deeper. And so all these tools also are now adding in, in the last year to have really accelerated, I would say. So we use Gong, we use Outreach. Both of those tools are just at an accelerated rate, adding, you know, so many different things that you can do. So they're not just what they were even when we started COVID, right? They're a different beast. Um, and so it's, it's been exciting ride. You know, they continue to to, to knock those out. I would say the one that we probably could do a better job at that we should be, that is huge, I think, in this COVID world is something like a guru knowledge management system um, or a high spot type thing. We really scratch the surface with that and think can can really help, you know, with battle cards and closing more deals and things like that, that people can just pull up like that. Would you be comfortable running down the your whole tech stack? Yeah. Wait, yeah. yeah. T- tell, tell us what you use. And I, I, I'm going to be shocked. I guarantee you I'm going to be shocked at the, the breadth of systems and tech you're using. <laughs> you, you might be shocked at, at how how lean we are. I'm I think that one of the most important things with a tool stack is well one it's it's going to be different for every business, right? What works for me might not work for you. That's the really important one. And then it's, you know, making sure you go deep on them. So what's the adoption on it? Lastly, staying as lean as you possibly can. I'm not about to go pay for a tool if I know that nobody's going to use it. So either prove to me that you're going to use it or uh, so like for us, LinkedIn Navigator, so many people have, you know, I want to use it. I want to use it. We did trials. Guess what? No one used the damn thing. I found the same thing. <laughs> Mother effort. Exactly. And we tore, you know what my salespeople said, JM? They said, <clears throat> I gave them a choice. I said, would you rather have Zoom info licenses or would you rather have sales or uh, LinkedIn sales navigator? And uh, 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 um, unanimously, it was just give us more credits to Zoom info license, Zoom info licenses we have. I'm like, that is that is shocking. I found the same exact thing, and and you know, LinkedIn Sales Navigator is super expensive. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these tools <laughs> they're not tools are not cheap anymore. I mean, so if you go from our tool stack, kind of top to bottom, we got to know who to target, having the right sales force, the system record, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh, then making sure that we can target them with the right 
messaging, being smart about how we do our outreach, who we talk to, and then having those better conversations. So using utilizing outreach and gong, again, you know, pretty standard stuff. And then from there, it's about how do we make sure that the reps are continuing to learn more? So through our uh, guru, right, knowledge management, as well as lesson lessonly for making sure that the reps can, you know, continue to accelerate. And then uh, enriching our database, we use sales intel, familiar with Zoom info, our industry is tricky um, for finding contacts. There aren't a lot of databases that care about the title industry. I don't think it's a big money maker. Um, and then also most recently, um, Clary. Clary is one that we, you know, we've been doing forecasting, but um, uh, excited to really start using, uh, you know, a really, you know, well-known tool to, to do that. Forecasting, is that have to do with like a cadence meeting? Is that like liar's poker? How, how? <laughs> do you do cadence meetings over there? If, if so, how does that go down? Just curious. Yeah, so it, it's funny. So we're actually in the process of, of revamping it. So we have a new enterprise leader. So I'll walk you through kind of what that's going to look like. Um, but really for us, it's, you know, we went from a world where we had no structure. We didn't have a line definitions. One team was doing, you know, kind of what I said a couple minutes ago, one team was doing one thing, then the other team was doing another thing. Reps didn't care. They didn't believe in it. And so it's a whole new thing. So having a cadence of, you know, do you use this meeting to do quarter look back? Do you do this meeting for risk assessment? And so just building that into whatever cadence works for your leadership across the quarter so that you can, surprise, surprise, hit your, hit your goals. What multiple are we using out there for the funnel if we got a goal to hit? Is it 3x, 4x, 5x? What do you guys do over there? Great question. Yeah. Yeah. So so we look at three to four X for, for pipeline. Um, and does that but, usually work for you? Yeah, I would say for some business units. For other business units, we I would say, you know, we're we're testing different things, right? We have different business units that reach out to very different people. And so we're, you know, with newer products and some, and so it's figuring, we're really figure, trying to figure out and play around with those numbers um, to really see, you know, what, what makes sense there. I mean, we've talked about that as, you know, dyed in the wool salespeople for, you know, for years, do me a favor for some of the newer leaders that are, that are listening to the, to the show, explain what that, what that means. You know, if you're new to sales leadership or sales operations and Pete says, you know, hey, this, you know, this multiple to help you hit your goals. Do me a favor, explain that to me as if I'm a three-year-old. What does he mean by that, JM? He means if you want, if you need to make $10, then you need to go make sure that you have $30, $40 in the bank so that you can go and hit that. And when you say bank, you mean pipeline. Right? Pipeline, yes, correct, and uh, and mm-hmm. getting more specific again for the newer leaders listening to the show. Does this mean that if I have a quota of 100k this quarter, that I should have 400 thousand dollars slated to close this quarter, or 400 thousand dollars total? Yeah, so you really want to look at it rolling, right? So you want to make sure that you constantly have enough to hit that goal in whatever that time frame is. Got it. So if I'm if I'm coming into you know it's November first, perfect timing, uh, and my quota this this quarter is a hundred thousand bucks. 
I should have $400,000 of quota across all time periods at all times, November 1st, December 1st. I should always have that 4X multiple of, of pipeline across all dates and time periods relative to my, my, current quote, my current quarterly quota or annual quota. Am I hearing you right? To whatever time period you're looking at, right? So if you're looking at the quarter and you say, I need to close $100,000 within that certain time period, then you need the 4X. I was curious how you look at it, Jamie. What did, what did you what did you use Well, to it all depends. I think it depends on um, stage, late stage versus early stage. It also depends on sales cycles. So I would imagine like if you have long sales cycles, you better have stuff in late stage and how you look at it. And so I think that becomes two and a half to three is what you want in late stage. Uh, if you're a volume, you, you probably need four to five for volume because you're going to miss more than win uh, or uh, lose more than win and all those opportunities. Yeah. And and we all know, guys, when we're saying 2.5 to three or four, that carve out, what, 25, 30% is bullshit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. No. That, you you know, don't say. I have the biggest, best, strongest pipeline that there is. Yeah. The biggest bane of everyone, every company's existence is forecasting. You do this, there's so much time wasted on forecasting. There's so much time wasted on just guessing a number that you're never right on. You know, if you're a sales leader out there, deliver what you say you're going to deliver. That's all. Even if it's below Mm -hmm. your quota. If you deliver what you say you're going to deliver, it's much better than if you don't deliver what you're going to deliver. And maybe you even hit quota. I would say that's worse because the company is forecasting up expectations. So you need to deliver Mm -hmm. what you're going to deliver. And that, that art is gone. And a lot of it is just because there's so much bullshit in the data. I mean, think about this. I'm going to go on my rant. Imagine we were playing, um, imagine we were playing basketball and at halftime, uh, and no, there was no scoreboard up there or anything like that. At halftime, I gave every player that was in the game a sheet and said, tell me how many points you had, rebounds you had, and assists you had. And then I compiled that and said, here's the score. That's exactly what we're doing in Salesforce, right? We're, we're sitting there saying, hey, sales reps, report what you did. Report your own score. That makes no sense. We've got to overhaul that, and we've got to fix that. And so a lot of these tools do that. I think some of them do it good. Some of them do it okay. I don't think there's any tool. Out, or I, I know of a couple, but I don't think there's any great tools out there that do it great besides a handful that sort of do truth serum type of stuff. Yeah, I, I think the, the interesting thing that I'm noticing, though, in a lot of these tools is they are starting to go deeper. So you get, you know, you look back a couple of years ago, it was such a fragmented industry of tools. And so you'd have to get 10 different tools to do those different things and then kind of take it and compile it. And these tools are starting to either through, you know, purchasing companies and acquiring them and that kind of thing. Um, I've been noticing that you're starting to see these tools be able to go deeper to offer more of those insights. So it's like you had the coaching piece of the pipeline inspection, and then you also layer that in with the forecast so you can kind of weed out the, the, the bullshit. There's still a ton of noise. There's still a ton of noise in the revenue operations world. Client, there are tools out there that say, Hey, I do this and they don't really do it. You know, (laughs) they sort of half ass do it and it doesn't really give you the full and, and sales guys are the best at sniffing out bullshit. Right. So a sales rep on your team 
you install some sort of program and says, I know what you're doing. I know what you had for dinner last night. And they say, no, you didn't. Well, guess what? They're not going to tell you that. They're going to be like, yeah, you're right. And then laugh behind your back all day long. because <laughs> They know you don't know what you're doing. Um, and then they just figure out how to trick that system. You know, and I'm not saying sales reps trick systems. I'm just saying, guys, we, you've got to make their life easier. But at the same time, they've got to deliver what they said they're going to deliver. And when they don't deliver what they're going to deliver, they should feel a lot of pain. And the really good reps deliver what they're going to do. And you sort of let them be. The reps that are in between, especially in today's environment where they can go find a job tomorrow, those are the reps that you've got to be on top of because they're not delivering what they say they're going to deliver. Boom, now I need to check what's going on. And now I need to know, Hey, if you have 500 meetings in the last three weeks and you have zero created pipeline, there's probably a problem here. And you need to, you need to either move that person out or say, Hey, you're self-reporting bullshit. Sorry, I'm getting on my rants. I could go off on this. No, no, this is great. This is great. Jamie. uh, So I want to hear what JM says. I definitely want to hear what Jamie has to say as well here. (laughs) Let me give you four scenarios. Okay. Let's hear it. At the end of the quarter, you are at, 120% to your forecast. That's option one. Option two, you are at 5% above your forecast. Option three, you're 5% below your forecast. And option four, you're 20% below your forecast. Which, which is, which is better? Which is the best? Where, where would you rather be? Would you rather be like way below your forecast, 5%? Your forecast five percent above your forecast, or twenty percent above your forecast. You blew your forecast away. Which is what JM? What's the right answer there? If and by the way, there could be an option E that I'm not going to say there. Neither you want to hit like what, what Jamie said. You want to hit your forecast. So whether you you know are five percent above or five percent below, you didn't hit it. Um, now is that realistic? Eh, no, because exactly like you said too, you know, it, it's pretty tough to hit it right on the, the head. And so, um, you know, I'd obviously rather be, uh, above, um, than below, but curious. Great. What, so yeah, what, what about 120? Will you blow your forecast away at 120% of your forecast? And then you're like what, way what, off. And then they're like, how the hell did you not see this coming? Exactly. <laughs> Can't you do a comp plan on that for the leader to pay them on a, on a multiple of what? Accelerate that. Yeah, you can't. You can. It's very difficult because. Well, no, it's. You, you, it, it, if you forecast 120%, you'll get a shitload of money at that 120%. If you don't, oh, you. Yeah. Right? So if you're, you're saying like if you hit your forecast, then yeah. you, get a, you get a multiple. Right, right. So you got right. to remember, though, Pete. They're already got accelerators in there. So if they get to 120%, that might outweigh the 100% caveat. I know, but that's why we have finance guys like you to take it away from the underperformers. (laughs) So to answer you, well, I got something, Kevin, KG, I think you said it uh, great. I would say plus or minus 5% is a tolerable uh, variance. You obviously want to go plus than minus. But I really think outside of that, if you're outside of that, I need to know what your quota is. Because if you're 120% and you're 120% of quota, then I know you're not good at forecasting, but you're above quota. Give you some grief, but at the same time, back off, right? But if you're at 20% uh, 
or you're at 120% or 20% and you're half your quota, you're in big trouble. If you're half your quota and you're at plus or minus 5%, I'm going to sit there and say, let's take a look. Let's see if we can coach this person, blah, 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 blah. Maybe there's not enough opportunities, especially if you're a leader. Maybe there's some sales reps bringing you down, but you do know your business. You don't know your business if you have a bigger variance. And then if you don't know your business and you're not performing, it's it, it it's not good news. Well, and to JM's point, though, and this is, you know, she said it very subtly, but it's like, it makes the RevOps team look like they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't have a handle on the pipeline because you might go, oh, my gosh, yes, 120 to our forecast. No, that is not that is not a good thing because that means you've got uh, a bunch of sandbaggers that were that that where you didn't forecast properly. A bunch of bluebirds, you know, flew through the window. And while you're going to celebrate that internally that you, you know, that you, you know, hit more than you actually did that visibility and accuracy then kind of goes away and you're like, gosh, is it possible we could be then minus 20% to our forecast because we just didn't have visibility there. And JM, JM, am I, am I right? Like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like some random, you know, one deal that did it, that was a monster or something. Um, You know, it's a little different than having, you know, 10 deals that hit um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, So just, you know, it's taken, taken the situation and the story, but it all goes back to diving deeper. And I think, you know, we can always do a better job at it. I would say, you know, it has to be something that, yeah, you have a, a cadence and, and things like that, but it's, we can always, always be, you know, picking a, a tweaking here, tweaking there, right? Like how do we better help people to, to do that? Um, so that, you know, they can hit their, their forecast too, right? Like it's a failure on me if we're not, you know, going deeper on, on the pipe and these managers are saying, ah, it's like really, really hard to do pipeline management or, you know, which leads to the inaccurate forecast. And so that's on us and working together, right. As a team, because a rep should be excited about these pipe meetings. And I would say a lot of times reps are like, I have a pipe meeting with my manager. Yeah. I would say guys, uh, reps out there and stuff like that. Well, deals are great, but wells cost are uh, CROs and VP of sales jobs. And, and a lot of times cost the revenue ops people jobs as well. So if you have a well deal, you better, you better have it locked down. And, and for the rev op people, if it is a well, like it's huge, it might triple your output. You should almost forecast that separately from the rest of the herd so that the board and the executive level know, hey, we're 3.5 if we do this, or we're half a million if we don't. And that's what we're planning on doing this month. You need to call that stuff out because it is crazy when the whales don't come in. Never, and also never estimate half a whale. It's a deal or it's not. You can't take half the deal because you can't forecast it. But I do think forecasting is is the bane of everyone's existence and, and, and the more we can figure out how to fix that and, and operationalize that, the better. Hey, RevOps people, it's uh, fourth quarter. We're going into holiday season. What what all you uh, RevOps people do to get ready for the next year? What's going on? I, I think Jamie, <laughs> by the way, I, I think Jamie's going to say, we already did it. Knowing JM, yeah. she's like, we're already done with planning. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, we're, we're finalizing. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Jamie. Well, well, depending on when your year ends, right? You guys are fiddling with the numbers to see how close True. we are to EBITDA, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So, so for us, you know, we, as we think about planning for next year, it's, you know, again, <laughs> forecasting is a really big one for us. Um, I think that probably will never go away. Also, you know, looking at what are things that we can change to help, you know, drive better results and give, you know, better plans that are simpler um, for our reps. So we're, we're looking at comp headcount planning for, for TAM, um, cleaning all that up. Um, and then how are we going to help make sure that we have the right people in the right roles, selling the right playbook? Um, we're really, you know, working on segmenting the business. And so I think really exciting that we can, you know, go deeper on these. So um, it's not just like your standard, hey, I work in, you know, B2B or B2C or whatever it is. It's really going deep on some of these really specific segments. So super uh, excited for 2022. If you're coming to the table, if you're a new rev leader and you're like, oh, I want to introduce this new concept to such and such, guess what? It's probably too late. Capacity planning, we're already negotiating comp plans, um, reorganization, territory planning, all that stuff has already been sort of mapped out, especially now, I think with COVID, that's one thing that has has expedited things is because there's no longer those sales kickoffs. They're virtual sales kickoffs. And usually everything got held up by the sales kickoff. And when you're getting everyone together in a um, physical world, uh, it would usually be end of July, maybe early February when you can do it. And that's when you wanted to unveil the new stuff. Well, guess what? It's usually virtual kickoffs can happen at any time and you're usually getting it going in the first week. I was just talking about you're missing your number then you guys screw around with the budgets. That's all I'm. <laughs> Oh, you know, one thing KG said, and I'll, I'll bring that up because if you overperform by 20%, right, and you're hitting your quota, there are things that happen, especially at software companies. Deals come in on the last day. Guess what? Order seems to sit on it for a day and move it to the next quarter. So there's always good things when you overperform. There's always ways you can play around with when the, day, when the deals are entered, <laughs> But it becomes a problem when you're missing your numbers and you're missing your forecast. If you're, if we're hitting, we'll still yell at the person, but maybe to the board, they don't know that we just buried three deals and we, uh, they happen to get entered in November 1st. So JM, as you know, our listeners are uh, entrepreneurs and sales and sales ops leaders, um, some of which are newly minted. Um, we're starting a new segment here and we've been running a segment called the three minute sales tip. We're going to make it RevOps tip for uh, for you, of course. What's one three-minute tip that you typically give to your sales ops team members um, that you can give to our listeners now? I don't even know if I need three minutes. It's short and sweet. Your data is your currency. Your data is your product. What is What are you going to do to make yourself proud? How are you going to use it to build your empire? How are you going to make sure that you are can track things and use them as insights and that everybody across the organization knows and understands what they are so that you can then more people can hit their goals. You can then be involved in that and you are a full owner in that sales process. As a, as a sidebar, by the way, JM, uh, during that period of time when I talked to you originally, I was networking like the living daylights and speaking to sales ops and rev ops professionals across, um, across the world, actually, to try and find a sales ops leader at ZipRecruiter. And I kept asking this question, like, what are the main components 
that should always exist on a, on a sales ops, uh, sales ops team, you know, should sales enablement should always be there. Forecast ownership should always be there. What are the things? And what I found was that there was no standard answer there because it was such a new discipline and uh, there was no standard answer that like sales ops or rev ops should always include, you know, these pillars, you know, should training be underneath there, which is different than enablement, you know, should it, should it be underneath there? Um, but there was one theme that kept coming up again and again and again and again, which is related to what your three minute sales tip was insights. That is the primary responsibility of the of the sales ops and rev ops team that I learned, and I would love to hear your feedback, and then we can wrap. But you know, your job is to make sure that the truth comes out of of rev ops and sales ops, so that everybody can make sure that we know what the real numbers are. And furthermore, the rev ops and sales ops professionals are the ones that are supposed to be scrutinizing the pipeline. Uh, in detail to look for those um, areas of, of optimization. Does that, does that sound about right? Insights. You've said that several times today. Well, it all goes back to if you, you can have people putting in as much data as they want. You can require as many fields, but if you're not constantly questioning that data and saying, does this sound right? Does that pass the sanity check here? Um, these reps are putting in information and it, it's great. It's helpful, but are they really driving you know decisions in the business or are we are we just making them fill out stuff to fill out? Your insights are really only going to be as good as how much you scrutinize everything. JM, thanks for coming on the show today. What a, what a great time. Thanks for having me. You didn't give uh, Jamie too hard of a time. Oh, Kevin. don't worry. A lot, lot more editing to do. <laughs> hey, hey, what's the best way for our listeners to learn uh, more about you or connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, linkedin.com slash in slash JM Wilkie, um, or feel free to shoot me an email, JM at Qualia, Q-U-A-L-I-A. LinkedIn's really the easiest one, um, so don't be a stranger. Um, I'm open uh, to chat anytime. All right, great. We'll put all the links in the podcast notes. Thanks for listening to the Sassholes. On behalf of Jamie KG and myself, Pete, we thank you for listening. And we ask that we get, you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If they can't hear us, we can't help them. Subscribe to our newsletter. Everything will be in the podcast notes, especially your opportunity to buy us a beer on Patreon slash Sassholes. We thank you for listening. Cue the music. Cue the music.